The scripture reading today is from 1st Matthew chapter 21 verses 1 through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village ahead of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Molly. This is a great day to add my welcome to Dr. Pools and such a meaningful day for us all to worship together. Hello to everyone watching online and hello to our visitors here in the sanctuary. We are so excited to celebrate Palm Sunday and to welcome you back for Easter next Sunday, hopefully with friends. It's going to be a joyful day. So let's pray together because everything is in motion and we don't want to miss what's going to happen next. Gracious God, your word is an amazing gift. As we open it together, help us not to miss your revelation in the midst of the celebration. Please show us who you are and help us to connect the dots between Jesus' life and our everyday lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, in case you haven't noticed, everything is in motion today. There are palm branches waving and kids and singers and a processional we celebrate Jesus on the move into Jerusalem and crowds all around him moving and waving. Every step Jesus takes is moving toward a shocking conclusion and every step of God's plan is coming together. Every word of our text is moving us through a series of signs that point to who Jesus is. Every step of the Holy Week journey moves us closer to the ultimate answer to the question, who is this? There is, of course, more than one way to ask the question, who is this? 
On the first Palm Sunday, the crowds that had followed Jesus from the countryside and the crowds they mingled with on the streets of Jerusalem were wondering about Jesus. Who is this? The question was tinged with awe and admiration and expectation. Their expectations may have been off the mark because many of them were expecting a political savior. But the sense that something huge was about to happen was real. Have you ever felt like that in your spiritual journey? Can you think of a time when, in hindsight, your expectations of Jesus might have been a little off? But at least you were excited and expecting something. Who is this? Now, the other way to ask the question is, who is this? That's what the priests of the Jewish establishment and the civil officials charged with keeping order were wondering. Who is this? Rabble-rouser, annoyance, backwater, gadfly, religious freak show. The answer to both questions is about to come into view. One donkey step at a time. As we explore these questions today, it would be absurd to ignore that all of us have been struggling this week with the horrific school shooting at Covenant Presbyterian Church and School in Nashville. It's not only, it's not the, it's not the only devastating shooting recently, but the similarity between our contexts and some connections between our church staff make it feel especially personal and close to home. It's a strange thing to have to talk about on Palm Sunday. And at the same time, it's not. The world Jesus was born into and the world he marched into on that first Palm Sunday was a craven and violent place. He came to live in the world firsthand, to be God with us in the mess and also to assert better standards and a different future for humanity. The Jesus who set his face toward Jerusalem was fully human and fully divine, deeply invested in healing the suffering people he encountered, and deeply committed to the eternal spiritual redemption of God's children. All around Jesus, were people who wanted to oversimplify his ministry and put him into categories of their own definition, which of course never worked. This week, in addition to feeling horror and sympathy as a parent, a citizen, and a fellow member of the body of Christ, I've been observing fellow Christians bifurcate the spiritual and the practical dimensions of the life of faith. Some social media posts by Christians vilify the very idea that we would pray, considering it to be an anemic and cowardly response to tragedy. And perhaps it would be if we were not praying to the living God of the universe who values justice and who pours out the Holy Spirit 
and who brings salvation to the lost. On the other hand, some Christians are so overwhelmed by the needs of the world that they are inclined to dismiss and disengage from the mechanisms we do have at our disposal for the promotion of social righteousness and the exhibition of the kingdom of heaven to the world, which are, by the way, two of the great ends of the church. I have no doubt that in our church, there are numerous opinions about how we fix what is broken in our society and how we help the people who are broken in our society. I care a lot less what your specific solution is than I care that you pursue that solution vigorously and pray seriously for God's leading and intervention. Some of you have the means and the opportunity to provide better access to mental health care. Some of you have the means and the opportunity to work on laws and policies that have to do with access to guns and what kind. Some of you have the means and the opportunity to mentor an at-risk teen. Some of you have the means and the opportunity to improve criminal justice. Some of you have the means and the opportunity to comfort a frightened child or encourage a teacher. Some of you have the means and the opportunity to reach out this week to parents, faculty, or staff at the National Presbyterian School with a word of support. Great. Go for it. Do your thing. And even if a few people's efforts cancel each other out, our world will still be better off for the breadth of Christian engagement and witness. And we all can and should pray. It's not a cop-out, it's a call-out to the living God and a conscious attempt to align our attitudes and actions with his will. So let's stop posting stupid stuff on social media and get busy one step at a time. And that's probably enough said on that. One donkey step at a time. Jesus is on the move in the Palm Sunday story. Down from the Mount of Olives outside Jerusalem, across a valley, and up another long sloping road to the gates of Jerusalem. He has literally set his face toward Jerusalem and is moving toward the culmination of his earthly life. Underneath all the swirling movement and cheering of the crowds and the palms is a river of tension. Jesus knew what was about to happen. And we know in hindsight. But the crowds on the road didn't. They were shouting and cheering and throwing their coats in front of Jesus and waving palms. This was the equivalent of red carpet celebrity hype today, or a ticker tape parade. It would have been fun if you were there. But sometimes I think we make the mistake of thinking that Jesus was having fun. We might be tempted to think, well, 
at least Jesus got to enjoy one day of glory before all that suffering. I think it's much more likely that while all that cheering was going on, every step toward Jerusalem took enormous force of will on Jesus' part. We know that Jesus was tempted in every way that human beings are and yet was without sin. So the human Jesus would have been tempted to turn back or tempted to give people what they hoped for, relief from their obvious immediate oppression by the Roman occupation. So who is this Jesus who chose to obey a different call? Every word of today's scripture passage is moving toward the answer to that question. The text is filled with clues and signs that Matthew very intentionally uses to create a picture that says, it's me, hi, I'm the Messiah, it's me. And until now, Jesus has been ministering and teaching off the beaten path often telling the beneficiaries of his miracles not to share his identity with the world. But now Jesus is emerging onto a bigger stage that will soon become a cosmic stage. He is on a mission that God planned and began long ago, and that mission is moving into high gear. Let's look at some of those clues to Jesus' identity that Matthew brilliantly weaves into this 11-verse story. Some of the clues are ge geographic. The story opens with Jesus poised atop the Mount of Olives, which Jewish faith connected with the coming of the Messiah, including in Zechariah's prophecy. prophecy. He's on his way into Jerusalem, surely the place everyone was expecting, a deliverer king to emerge and to reign. Some of the clues to the puzzle of who Jesus is are explicitly biblical. It's amazing how many Old Testament references Matthew has woven into this story. The first reference explains that Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey was the fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, tell the daughter of Zion, meaning Jerusalem and its inhabitants. Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That reference is to Zechariah 9.9, which was our call to worship today. And it refers to Isaiah 62.11, which says, Say to the daughter of Zion, see your salvation comes. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. You might love how all those pieces of scripture weave together, or it might sound a little confusing. We well, are in good company if you're confused, because according to the Gospel of John 12, 26, even the disciples didn't connect the dots about what was happening in the scene until after the resurrection. So let's pause and talk about the donkey, or the donkeys, 
as Matthew tells it. Even the donkeys help to answer the question, who is this? The prophecies and the adulation in God's mission proclaimed Jesus a king. But the donkeys show us what kind of king he would be. Jesus was a shocking mix of divine authority and earthly humility. Kings and rulers usually came to town on war horses. Even Revelation 19.11 uses the image of Jesus on a white horse when he will come to reign over everything at the end of time. But Matthew spends more than half of this grand, sweeping Palm Sunday narrative talking about donkeys. How his disciples commandeered an ordinary person's donkeys and how Jesus rode into Jerusalem on them. Why? Yes, to fulfill a prophecy, but what was that about? Donkeys are slow and small compared to war horses. Anyone, even a child, could approach a donkey without fear. Donkeys are accessible. Donkeys are the work animals of the poor, not the rich. Donkeys carry the burdens of human beings. And in the eyes of Jewish law, donkeys are unclean, non-kosher animals. Ah, so now we have the king of kings who would bear the burdens of others on the cross, riding to his fate in humility identifying with the poor, accessible to the masses, and even foreshadowing the inclusion of non-kosher Gentiles in the kingdom of God. God is on the move, and there is much, much more than a parade going on. The crowds don't understand what's happening. The disciples don't understand what's happening. But a chain of events has been set in motion which will ultimately break the chains of sin and death. The scene intensifies and the crowds multiply, shouting Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Most of the words to that chant are from Psalm 118 and would have been something that people were used to chanting at important Jewish festivals. Hosanna literally means, save us. But at the time, it was also used as a more generic expression of religious enthusiasm, like, hallelujah. Matthew's slathering the irony on thick here. The crowds didn't really know who Jesus was. They didn't know what God's plan to save them would look like. They didn't know how they'd feel in a few days. Their hopes were temporal and political more than eternal. Their vision was limited, and their voices were just singing along with the stadium rock anthem of the day. But the word they sang was exactly right. Hosanna. 
save us. Hosanna is the prayer we all need and the prayer Jesus came to answer that very week. Hosanna is a prayer of surrender that acknowledges our inability to save ourselves and expresses our dependence on God. Hosanna is the praise that belongs to Christ the Messiah King, not to earthly kings. As Jesus journeyed into Jerusalem, the crowds were singing exactly the right song, even if they didn't know why. Some people in those crowds would have followed Jesus all the way from Galilee, and others would have been denizens of Jerusalem who were hearing about him for the first time. As those crowds mixed in the crucible of Jerusalem at Passover with all of its political foment and brewing religious showdown between Jesus and the authorities. Things were pretty intense. Our scripture says that the whole city was in turmoil, but Matthew's original word is the one that gives us the word seismic. Think earthquake level turmoil. Think seismic upheaval. It's the same word used to describe what happened in Jerusalem when Jesus was born, and the same word used to describe what happened the morning of the resurrection. So again, there is much, much more than a parade going on. The intensity must have been exciting for some and frightening for others certainly chaotic for everyone. But the turmoil of Palm Sunday made people ask, who is this Jesus? And that's a good thing. At the time, the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. That answer was not wrong, actually. It was just incomplete. Post-crucifixion, post-Easter, we know that Jesus was the prophet, priest, and king, the kind of king no one expected and everyone needed, the king who rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, but who is coming back to take the reins of history in what will be a complete sweep of justice and righteousness for the children of Covenant School and everyone else. So in the meantime, let's focus on your Holy Week journey. In some parts of the world, there are extreme observances of this season where people try to replicate the experiences that Jesus went through, even to the extent of whipping themselves or carrying a heavy cross. We're not called to go through what Jesus went through or even to mimic it because we can't. When Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem, it was to do what no one else could do and what no one else could ever fully understand. Every step Jesus took on that slow, humble, ugly donkey was a resolute, 
obedient movement toward the cross and the fulfillment of God's plan. For us to set our faces toward Jerusalem is to focus our eyes on Jesus and on the cross. There are a thousand things every day clamoring for our attention and a thousand ways to wander off into the crowd instead of following him. Like those crowds on Palm Sunday, we would love to have Jesus solve all of our personal, social, and political problems. But we're not so sure about anything more. Who is this? Is Jesus the king of problems, or is Jesus the king of me? Is it worth following Jesus if he has expectations of me? What if he asks me to love my enemies? What if he asks me to look beyond the horizon of my life and be part of the mission of God? If I repent and give my life over to him, who am I? These are the questions to carry over the cobblestones from the Jerusalem gate to the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane to Golgotha, the place of the skull where Jesus was crucified, to the tomb on Easter morning. The answers will come, not from the crowds, or even from within yourself, but from the one who gave his life for you. Hosanna. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for revealing the answer to the question, who is this Jesus? Help us to understand, appreciate, and embrace the answers we find in his journey to the cross and in his death and resurrection. Help us not to get lost in the crowd where some find him an oddity and others declare him an enemy. And thank you that you are with us every step of the way. We pray in the name of the one who did, in fact, save us. Amen.